Hello, everyone. Welcome to Jollo of the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. It's hard to believe that this is the third episode of the year already. On this spoiler-free episode, I'm taking a voyage to the UK to discuss the weekend murders from 1970. When a family travels to an estate in England to listen to the reading of a will, what they inherit is a murderer who starts killing them off one by one. On this episode, I'll dive into the history of whodunit and the crime mystery pulp novels, which spawn the films I discuss each month on Jalo of the Month Club. This episode will not contain spoilers, but I would still suggest watching The Weekend Murders before listening. The only trigger warning that I will note for this film is there is one mention of a miscarriage. You can find The Weekend Murders for free on Tubi. Directed by Italian filmmaker Michael Lupo, The Weekend Murders setup is a timeless one when it comes to murder mysteries. The patriarch of a wealthy family has passed away, and the surviving members of the bunch have gathered to his estate to hear the reading of the will. Descending upon the countryside manor, like vultures rather than mourners, the group all come with their own baggage. After it is disclosed who will receive the sole inheritance of the mansion, the bodies begin piling up, with the estate's housekeeping staff also pulled into the orbit of this deadly family reunion. It's worth noting, also, that the murders are investigated by a Scotland Yard detective and a local police sergeant. Released on October 15, 1970, The Weekend Murders is a medley of family dysfunction. As the body count grows, the comedy only gets darker, but it never feels out of place. Especially if you've watched other British movies or (laughs) British television shows. Most of the family and the state staff hate each other, so they're not particularly disturbed by the actual killing of one of their own. The film's Anything Goes murder mystery reminded me of 1985's Clue with a heavy dose of family drama. Three writers are responsible for The Weekend Murders, which was also released as The Story of a Crime. Sergio Donati wrote this screenplay, and also the one for Once Upon a Time in the West, which was mentioned on last month's episode discussing Charles Bronson and 10 to Midnight. Writer Massimo Falasati went on to create the screenplay for such Jalo favorites as The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave and Strip Nude for Your Killer. And the third writer, Fabio Pitoru, wrote the screenplay for The Red Queen Kills Seven Times, which is one of my all-time favorite episodes of this podcast. <laughs> and it's also a really good Jalo. Most of the actors in The Weekend Murders are British or American and not well-known within the horror-thriller subgenre. However, you may recognize Ida Galley, aka Evelyn Stewart, who plays Isabel in The Weekend Murders. This actress was featured in The Case of the Scorpion's Tale, The Bloodstained Butterfly, Footprints on the Moon, and Lucio Fulci's Murder to the Tune of Seven Black Notes, aka The Psychic. Filmed in 1970, The Weekend Murders was set and filmed on location in Summer Laden Hall, both for interior and exterior shots. The opening golf course scene was filmed in Norfolk, England. During its 98-minute runtime, there are four off-screen kills total. Aside from being light on bloodshed, The Weekend Murders is extremely flimsy when it comes to Jalo elements. There's a reading of the will, 
We follow the lives of the so-called rich and well-off, although they're extremely petty and they act like they don't have money. And there is one shot of a folding razor blade knife. The Weekend Murders does contain a generous amount of zoom shots that work great with the comedic tone of the film. A handful of quirky characters that you never really feel invested in, but they're kind of amusing. And the film is greatly melodramatic. However, overall, it does lack the thriller aspect that is so necessary to make a Jalo, well, thrilling. It's more of an Agatha Christie-style, slow-paced whodunit. More of a literary Jalo versus a cinematic Jalo. Overall, The Weekend Murders is a straightforward whodunit that could have been much better with a touch more on-screen murder and suspense. The whodunit mystery is a genre that has appealed to readers for centuries. It's a complex, plot-driven variety of the detective story in which the audience is given the opportunity to engage in the same process of deduction as the protagonist throughout the investigation of the crime. The reader is provided with the clues from which the identity of the perpetrator may be presumed before the story provides a reveal at its climax. The investigation is usually conducted by an eccentric, amateur, or semi-professional detective, which there is one in The Weekend Murders. The true appeal of the whodunit is that the readers become just as involved in solving the crime as the investigators themselves. We as readers are presented with all of the clues just as the characters in the story see them, which means we have all of the tools to crack the case along with our main character. A good whodunit story offers up a mystery like a puzzle that is complicated to solve but not impossible. In the end, we as viewers might not have been able to figure out the culprit of the case before our protagonist did, but looking back, we realize that we had all of the clues and pieces to fit the case together, and that's pretty satisfying and exciting. And for so many readers, that's why this genre never gets old. One story often identified as the origin of the whodunit is Edgar Allan Poe's Murder in the Rue Morgue from 1841. Mystery suspense stories continued to rise in popularity through the late 1800s, mostly with the distribution of crime stories and dime novels. Although whodunits were being written and read long before 1930, this is around when the term whodunit was officially devised. We don't know who exactly came up with the term. In his 1930 review of the detective novel Half-Mast Murder, News of Books reviewer Donald Gordon used the term whodunit to describe the story. Five years later, journalist Wolf Kaufman claimed that he coined the word while working for Variety magazine. However, an editor of the magazine credited someone else, Wolf Kaufman's predecessor, (laughs) Syme Silverman, as coming up with the term. The golden age of mystery fiction happened in the 1920s and 30s. Many of the authors of these whodunits were British, or were inspired by British authors. Some of the most enduring mystery writers came out of this time period, including Dorothy L. Sayers and Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie's novels, of which there are 66, not including the short story collections, received numerous positive reviews after they were adapted for the screen in search of a wider audience. 
It is here that the whodunit begins its abundant and irreversible transformation. Surprisingly enough, it wasn't until the 1940s that the whodunit really took off. Mysteries from the Golden Age became so universal that certain patterns and tropes began appearing. We have elements like a cast of questionable characters, a cozy country home as a setting, unexplained locked doors, red herrings, and so on and so forth. From this period of established mystery elements arose a new type of whodunit, hard-boiled crime fiction. While the golden age of mysteries in Britain was at its peak in the 1920s and 30s, hard-boiled crime fiction really took off in the mid-1930s through the 50s. Think of crime fiction as America's answer to the polite British whodunit. These whodunits were louder, more violent, and more emotionally raw. This brings me to the origin of the films I discuss with each episode of Jollo of the Month Club. The term giallo, meaning yellow in Italian, derives from a series of crime mystery pulp novels entitled Giallo Mondadori, or Mondadori Yellow. These paperbacks were published by Mondadori starting in 1929. The giallo, or yellow in the name, is in reference to their trademark yellow covers. The series consisted almost exclusively of Italian translations of mystery novels by British and American writers. These translations included such novels by Ellery Queen, Edgar Wallace, Ed McBain, Rex Stout, and Raymond Chandler. Published as cheap paperbacks, the success of giallo novels soon began attracting the attention of other Italian publishing houses. They published their own versions and mimicked the yellow covers. The popularity of the series eventually established the word giallo as a synonym in Italian for a mystery novel. In everyday conversation and for media usage, it also applied to a mysterious or unsolved affair. In the context of 20th century literature and film, especially among English speakers and non-Italians in general, giallo refers specifically to a particular Italian horror genre that has mystery or detective elements and often contains slasher, crime fiction, psychological thriller, psychological horror, and sexploitation elements. A giallo film is a stylish and violent crime thriller. The gore, creepy visuals, and similarities to slashers also associated with the giallo subgenre lend strong connective tissue to the horror genre. The crime and murder mystery plot elements found within Jolly are like those in whodunits of the thriller genre. When horror supersedes the mystery elements, Jolly are often called Italian slashers rather than Italian crime thrillers. And guess what? You can love both, you can watch both, you can enjoy both. Both will be discussed on this podcast. There's an extremely divisive quality about Jolly. Within these films, the literary whodunit element of Jollo novels is retained while being filtered through horror genre elements. But no matter what their influences are, these books and films should have one important thing in common a compelling mystery just waiting to be solved. I have two flavor of the month picks to go along with the theme of who done it. 
First up is Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is a buddy cop action comedy directed by Edgar Wright, who co-wrote the script with Simon Pegg. Starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Timothy Dalton, and Jim Broadbent, the film centers on two police officers investigating a series of mysterious and gruesome deaths in an English country village. My second flavor of the month pick is Knives Out from 2019. I just watched this a few nights ago after putting it as my flavor of the month pick, and I really am happy with my choice, so please watch (laughs) Knives Out. Directed by Ryan Johnson with an all-star cast, Knives Out follows an inquisitive and charming detective investigating the mysterious death of a renowned crime novelist. From the novelist's dysfunctional family to his devoted staff, the detective sifts through a web of red herrings and self-serving lies to uncover the truth behind the untimely death. You can follow Jalo of the Month Club on Twitter and Instagram at Jalo Club. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, please give the podcast a five-star rating. Thank you. Logo design is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. You can find Vegan Patches Etsy shop at Retirement Fund. Theme music is by Dream Division. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. And you can follow myself, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at DianaNK. As always, I'm your host, Diana Koch. You've been listening to Jalo of the Month Club.